So I'm going to read from Exodus 3, verses 11 through 15. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. If not, it will be right up on the screen, right there. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and read it. Uh, It says, And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly, this is God speaking, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thou shalt, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said moreover unto Moses, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. And then the next scripture I want to read is Psalms 9, verses 9 through 10. It says, the Lord will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in time of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. So the title I want to present to you tonight, to this morning is um, Good News Has a Name. So let's all pray and then we can be seated and, and get into the words. So thank you, Jesus, for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to get into your presence. Lord, you've already met us here and I pray that your, your spirit would continue to minister to us. Open our hearts and minds to receive your word, Lord. And I pray that I would step to the background and you would step forward and speak what you want to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. So um, I uh, just... We had, just to give you a little background, we had a uh, meeting because we're having an Elevate rally here in November, which I am super excited about. Um, but we were, we were talking about like a theme and, and what we were going to do because we're going to have Brothers of Poli come, um, our evangelist friend, and he's going to be with us Friday, Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, so we were kind of thinking of a theme, and uh, this is not necessarily the theme that we settled on, but this was something ever since that conversation has just been constantly on my mind and my heart. And uh, just to tell you, I think it was uh, last weekend when Tasha and I were driving back from Monroe, um, I was kind of sharing with her what, what I felt like God was talking to me about. And uh, a, a song came on the radio. It was, uh, uh, does anybody know the band Rend Collective? Rend Collective? Anybody? They're from Ireland. They're Christian band. They're pretty awesome. I like them. They do like kind of like this Irish folk music mixed with, you know, pop. It's pretty cool. Um, So they came on the radio and they were talking about their new song, Rescuer. And uh, the line, so I kid you not, I was telling Tasha, this is what I was feeling for a title, Good News Has a Name. What, you know, what do you think? And um, (laughs) shortly after I said that, the lead singer for Ren Collective comes on and he was talking about his new song, Rescuer. And uh, that was the exact line that he used was good news has a name. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And I guess they're going on tour and it's called the good news tour. And it's just like, I was like, wow, this is meant to be. This is God, I'm telling you. But um, so I, I, I want to, hopefully I can connect some things for you. Um, 
because this was a, a really important scripture. I remember reading Exodus 3 um, a couple years ago, and when God tells Moses, I am that I am, um, you know, we sing about that a lot. There's a song called The Great I Am that we sing. It's uh, a beautiful song. It's one of my favorites. I love it. Um, there are tons of songs that reference this, uh, that God is the I am, right? So um, I remember reading it a couple years ago, thinking to myself, why did God answer that way? Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you guys know, but I'm, I'll be honest with you. I have to study in the Bible. I just don't know what's going on. So um, I just remember thinking that, and uh, hopefully that's something that I can relate to you. Um, but this story in Exodus 3, uh, this is Moses. He's experienced a burning bush for the first time. So or the first and only time, I should say. But he's, he's, being, he's shepherding, I think it was his father-in-law's flock, and, you know, he's, he's walking around, being a shepherd, doing his thing. And then all of a sudden, he sees this, uh, this burning bush, and he's like, whoa, what is this? It's, not, it's on fire, but it's not being consumed. What is going on here? And then all of a sudden, God talks to him, says, take off your shoes because this is holy ground. So then they start having a conversation, and God calls Moses, tells him what he wants him to do. So he says, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and you're going to deliver the people of Israel out of the hands of the Egyptians. Moses runs through every excuse in the book on why he cannot do this, right? He says, I can't talk right. I'm, I'm slow of speech. I, you know, I can't, I can't speak. You know, what am I supposed to tell the children of Israel when they ask me who sent, who sent me? What am I supposed to say? Why did you choose me? I'm not, I'm not qualified to go. I, you know, I can't do this. And, and God tells him when Moses asks, who should I tell him? He says, I am that I am. Tell him the I am has sent you. Now, to me, when I read that the first time, I was like, what in the world? What does that mean, right? Because now... Most of us have an understanding of what that means when God said, I am that I am, right? So I want to, um, I, I, I want to kind of explain what, what is going on here and hopefully connect the dots. If you haven't noticed, I have a bunch of uh, writings up here. These, we're going to go through them in a little bit, but these on the left and right are the Hebrew names for God in the Old Testament. This is what they had had called God. He was Yahweh or Jehovah. And then he had all of these titles or these names. In the New Testament, we have Jesus, right? So um, I, I just, I, I want to kind of go through that today. So I am that I am. Why did God answer that way? Does anybody know? <laughs> I'm going to put people on spot. Okay, so I like to be interactive, you know, because I feel like when you teach or when you preach, like you can only hold people's attention for so long until, you know, start drift. I do the same thing, right? I, I'm human. So does anybody know why God told Moses, I am that I am? <laughs> okay. Okay. I, so, um, We'll talk about it, but there's there are a lot of a lot of explanations, a lot of um, uh, you know if you just if you just do a Google search on why did God call Himself the I Am, you come up with numerous different 
historians and Bible scholars that try and explain why God called himself that. So I, I want to break down the Hebrew, what he was talking, is that okay? Can, can we do, okay. So I, I want to just kind of break down the Hebrew because um, it gives light onto what God is actually saying. So yes, he is saying I am that I am, but I want to show you something that maybe will give you a little bit more, more depth in that. So I am that I am. Hava, Asher, Asher, Hava. I do not have a Hebrew accent, but those are the three words. I am that I am. Hava, Asher, Hava. So what does that mean? Hava is where we actually get Jehovah from. Hava is the root word of Jehovah, which means to become or to become. Well, Jehovah means to become known as or to become, and Hava just literally means to become. Asher means who or whoever. That's just one definition of Asher, okay? Um, the thing you have to understand about the Hebrew language is that when you use words, they ha there's a certain flow, right, to, their, to the way that they speak and a certain flow to the way that they write. And when you, when you use words in a certain, in a certain context, it, they mean things, right? So Hava, Asher, Hava. So literally, God is saying, I become who or whoever I become. That's what he was saying. Now, if you, if you really understand that, it's such a beautiful, it's, it's such a beautiful name for God, I am that I am, or Hava Asher, Hava, because what God was telling Moses is that I can be whatever you need me to be. I can be whoever you need me to be. There's no limits. There's no limits on God. He can answer any prayer, he can meet any need, and he can do anything that we could ever ask or think. So, I have a story for you. And this is a real life application. Um, do you mind if I take my suit jacket off because I am hot? It's like animal in a cage back there. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate it. Thank you. So I have a, I have a story for you. Um, there, was, there was an elderly lady a woman of God who had lived for God for her entire life since she was a child, a little girl. She, uh, I, I do know this lady. So she has told me that um, she remembers one time as a little girl that uh, she grew up really, really poor. She had polio, like just, she couldn't walk for years. Um, but she remembers one time Right before she got polio, she was out in a, in a field in Illinois, Moline, Illinois is where she grew up in. She was out in a field and was just kind of singing this, um, this children's church song. I don't know what it was. It was an old song. She told me, and I can't remember. I've never heard it before. But she was kind of singing it. And she said that all of a sudden, she felt as if it, the way that she described it was very interesting. She said she felt that God just lifted her up, okay? And... It, the way that, that she put it into words was that it didn't matter what was going on around me. It felt like God had lifted me up in his hand and picked me up above all the problems of life. As a child, right, she felt this. Shortly after that, she got polio, and she couldn't walk for years and years and years. And even to this day, her abdomen, her muscles in her abs, she can't do a sit-up. You know, she has... Um, I think it's called post-polio syndrome where the muscles that were affected still don't work properly even though she doesn't have polio anymore. And she can walk, right? Like that was a miracle just in and of itself. 
But I want to tell you about something a little bit more recent. So she, like I said, she's lived for God her entire life. And then she started having like this pain in her stomach. And she has uh, what's called diverticulitis, which um, can be painful in your stomach. And it's, I don't understand what all of the medical terminology is, but um, this, this pain was different. So she went to the doctor and um, they did some kind of scan. I don't know. Again, I'm not in medicine. I can't handle that stuff. That's why I'm in banking, because I just can't take the medical stuff. So they did some kind of scan. I don't know what it was, but um, found out that she had a, um, a tumor on her pancreas. If you know anything about pancreatic cancer, it is a death sentence. Most doctors will say when you're diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, you will die. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. You're going to die. So they, they did some more tests, found out that it was actually, um, it wasn't, what's the word when it's, it's not, it's like, a, it is cancerous, it's not malignant, is that, is that the right word? Like a malignant tumor? Is that like a cancerous tumor? Okay. So it was malignant, right? It was cancer. Um, and, and she called her family, and uh, I remember just talking to the, the family members and, and this, this woman, um, that it was just, you know, the doctors were like, okay, you have less than a year, so make it count, you know, type thing. Um, you're you're going to die. There's, there's, <laughs> you know, pancreatic cancer is this, I, I guess the statistics, at least that her doctor told her, is that 98% of people who are diagnosed with pancreatic cancer die. 98%. It's a silent killer because most of the time, by the time that the diagnosis happens, it's already too far gone. It's already too late because there's not a whole lot of symptoms with it. So it, this was like stage three pancreas cancer. Like she, you know, it was down the road, okay? So she called her family, and she was like the most calm, cool, and collected woman I've, you know, I've ever known about this, right? Like when you get a, 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 a diagnosis like that, I mean geez, I'd be bawling and crying. I wouldn't know what to do. But um, she called her family and, you know, the family was so distraught, so upset. Um, the day of the surgery, she, she has told me that, that during, or the day of the surgery, she prayed again, God, let your will be done. In the name of Jesus, let your will be done. Whatever you decide to do, do it. That's what she prayed every day especially through this bout with cancer. And, um, you know, she got to the hospital and, and they, they put her under. When she came out of the surgery, the doctor told her, um, you know, after she recovered, come to, that kind of thing, uh, the doctor had told her, you know, I'm, we're pretty sure we got everything, but more than likely it's going to come back in the next couple months and this time it will kill you. That's just the way pancreas cancer goes, I guess, is even if they get it, if they get the whole tumor and take it all out, the, it, it's such a high percentage of people where it comes back, okay? Such a high percentage. So she, she told me that she turned and looked at the doctor and smiled and said, you must not know the God that I serve. <laughs> so, so I can tell you today is five years cancer-free for her. Five years. They told her, in a couple months, you're going to get it back, and this time it's going to kill you. Five years cancer-free. 
Can you believe that? I, I just kind of like tell you that story to explain to you how powerful God is, that it, it doesn't matter what the medical diagnosis is. It doesn't matter what the doctor says. I mean, come on, somebody. It, it's all in God's hands. God is the one who controls it. He's the great physician, right? We practice medicine. God has perfected medicine. Five years cancer-free, man, and still going strong. <laughs> Praise God. So I have another scripture for you. Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. If, if, you, if you know this scripture, this scripture is probably familiar because it's also, it shows up in the New Testament. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath, there it is, he preached good tidings, preach good news, right? Preach good news unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Is anybody ready to break free today? Proclaim liberty to the captives and opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give, liber or to give beauty for ashes, the oil of mourning, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. So this scripture does show up in the New Testament and Jesus I'm, I'm telling you, Jesus has dropped the mic moments all the time, right? Like, if you read the New Testament, he is such a beast. When I'm telling you, he read this scripture in front of all the Jews, right? This, Isaiah was prophesying about what Jesus was going to do when he came. Isaiah was prophesying about the Messiah. And Jesus reads the whole thing, says, and this day is that scripture fulfilled. And walks off. And I'm telling you, uh, it says in Luke, all of the people that heard that were like, and just, wa just watched him walk out of the sanctuary. What is going on? So <laughs> I read that to tell you that Jesus is whatever you need. He is here today. If you have a need, I want to tell you, I just want to encourage you right now. If you have a need, whether it's physical, spiritual, emotional, financial, God is here to meet needs. God is here to meet you where you are. So, no matter what bad news you're living in, I came to tell you that there's good news. And that good news has a name. So, Names. Okay, what's, what's so important about a name? Names, especially in the Bible, denote ability, character. They, they denote um, your mission, especially when God names somebody, right? Like God named people. Abraham was not always Abraham. He was Abram. And God said, no, we're going to change your name to Abraham because you're going to be a father of many nations. That was Abraham's mission. That was God's promise to Abraham. So he named him, right? So names in the old Bible, in the Hebrew language, are extremely important. So I want to go through a couple names with you. Yahweh. Yahweh is the Old Testament name for God. Yahweh. That name was so sacred that, so when you read the Old Testament and you see the word Lord, but it's all capital letters, that means Yahweh. That's what it's saying. But it was so sacred to the children of Israel 
that they would not even say it. When they were reading scripture and it came to that word Yahweh, they, they substituted it out of respect for like Adonai or Elohim or, the, or they, 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 they out of respect changed it to a different name. So Yahweh or Jehovah, Jehovah, again, that's where we get, that, that comes from that word hava, that Hebrew word to become. So when you see these words Jehovah all over the board, what it's saying is God becomes. That's what Jehovah means. So we'll go through these. Genesis twenty two fourteen. God becomes Jehovah Jireh. Does anybody know what Jehovah Jireh means? provider do you know what's really cool is not that not just that God provides for me but what this is saying is that God becomes my provision he doesn't just provide he becomes my provision what about Jehovah Rapha that one's in uh Exodus 15 26 does anybody know what Rapha means healer God becomes my healing that's what Jehovah Rapha means. What about Jehovah Nisi? That one's in Exodus 17 and 15. What is this one? That's, that one's in a little bit. Jehovah Nisi means the Lord has become my banner. This one, this one is really cool. That's the story of uh, when the children of Israel were fighting in this valley and they started losing the battle and Moses raised up his arms and they started winning. And then when Moses would drop his arms because he was so tired, the children of Israel started losing again. So then they had two men, was Aaron and I'm not sure who the other guy is, but they, had, they propped up Moses' hands. Okay, Aaron and her. H-U-R, perfect. They propped up Moses' hands so the children of Israel would have victory. After that, Moses built an altar and called it Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is, has become my banner or the Lord has become my victory. What about uh, this one, Jehovah Mekadesh? What is this one? Just so you know, when you read the Bible, they don't show up like this necessarily. <laughs> so, because we have the English word, so the this means the Lord becomes my salvation or my sanctification. That's Exodus 31, 13. The Lord becomes my sanctification. And then what about Jehovah Shalom? This one's one you guys said it already. Peace. That's Judges 6, 24. The Lord becomes my peace. What about Jehovah Ra? Does anybody know that one? Jehovah Ra. This one's Psalms 23. The Lord becomes my shepherd. Ra is shepherd. What about Jeremiah 26, 6, Jehovah Tiskanu? I'm probably butchering these names, just so you know. Sidkanu, is that how you say it? Sidkanu. Okay, so the T is silent. It's like tsunami. Jehovah Sidkanu. What about that one? Jeremiah 26 and 6. The Lord becomes my righteousness. What about uh, Ezekiel 48, 35, Jehovah Shama, Shama, Shama. That's my Southern accent coming out too. It's like Southern Hebrew. <laughs> Jehovah Shama, the Lord is always there, always there. How beautiful are these names, right? And you know, like I said, names denote mission, character, and ability. So these names that the children of Israel had called God were pieces of God's ability, what he has done. 
Jehovah Jireh, God provides. Jehovah Rapha, God's a healer, and so on and so on. So these are all of these just beautiful names of the Old Testament. Can I, I just want to explain to you something. So in the Old Testament, there was uh, this thing, I, I probably have not coined this phrase, but this is just something that, I, that I've said, is that um, in, in the Old Testament, they had a progressive revelation of who God was. It happened over time, right? So that's why I give you those scriptures because it wasn't all at once God was all of these things. There were situations that people went through. And when God saw them through that situation, they had a new revelation. Oh, God does provide for me. Oh, God does heal me. Oh, God does give me victory. It was this progressive revelation. So they started with Jehovah Jireh and it just goes down through the list because before Jehovah Jireh was a name, it was Jehovah or Yahweh. And then they also had Elohim and Adonai and, and all of those mean, you know, Adonai is my Lord and it's just different words for God, right? But these are his names. And what God says is my name, which will be forever. That's what he said in Exodus 3. When he answered Moses, this name that I give you is my name forever, which is Jehovah and Yahweh, and he becomes whatever we need. That's his name, um, at least according to the Old Testament. So, um, so by stating to Moses, when God stated to Moses, I am that I am, this is what I believe he was doing, okay? This is just my take based on the historical situation that was going on at the time, what was going on with the children of Israel, why God said it, okay? I could be totally wrong, right? And if I am, please tell me. But um, so at that time, the children of Israel were slaves, right? They were enslaved in Egypt. And everything was fine in Egypt for a little while while the Pharaoh that knew, um, who was it? Who was the guy that settled in Egypt? Joseph, was it jo Joseph, right? Okay, when Joseph, see, Y'all keep me on track. I love it. Joseph, when Joseph settled in Egypt, he had a really good relationship with Pharaoh. Okay. When that Pharaoh passed away and some time passed, the new Pharaoh, I don't know if it was the one at, directly after, if it was down the line a little bit, I don't know. Was it after? Was it, don't know. Okay, probably don't know. But somewhere along the line, they forgot that relationship with the children of Israel. And the Bible says that the Pharaoh started putting taskmasters, hard taskmasters against the children of Israel because they saw their numbers and their strength and their power. So what they did, and this is something that the enemy still uses today. So I'm going to give you a little tactic of the enemy so you can overcome it, okay? What the people of, Israel, of Egypt did to the children of Israel, there were more the population size was greater in the children of Israel than Egypt, right? They saw that and they saw possibly they could take us over. So what they did is they took away their identity and made them feel like they were insignificant and nothing. That's how you can control masses is when you take away their identity. You know what? When, um, when there were, when slaves were brought over to the United States, that's what they did. When they got to the United States, they said, you no longer have a name. Here's your name. You don't have an identity anymore. I'm who you say you are. Or you are who I say you are. That's one way that, that, that Egypt and even the enemy controls people is by taking away identity. Our identity is found in Christ, everybody. 
Our identity is found in Christ. But what the enemy will try and do is say, you're worthless, you're not any good, God's never going to use you, you have no purpose in life. That's, that's what the enemy used. Okay, so that's what was going on with the children of Israel. Sorry, that was a long explanation. But that's what was going on with the children of Israel. So by God telling Moses, I am whoever you need me to be, now he can go and tell these people that have been oppressed and in slavery, hey, there's a God that wants to lead us out of this place. And he said, he can be whatever or whoever we need him to be. He can be our salvation. He can be our healer. He can take us out of here. So I believe it was, it was for encouragement and so that the children of, under, of Israel could understand who God was. So hopefully I can connect all of this. I love the Old Testament. Hopefully I can connect all of this with the New Testament, okay? I'm gonna try. If I don't do it well, just pretend like I did. Okay, so New Testament's here, okay? Children of Israel have been serving God on and off, you know, for many, many years. And now the Messiah steps on the scene, Jesus Christ. And he shows up and reads that scripture from Isaiah, drops the mic and walks off, right? Makes a bunch of people mad. So I want to read to you a scripture in John, and this is Jesus talking, okay? It's John 8, 56 through 59. Hopefully this can kind of connect all the dots. I didn't even know this scripture was in the Bible. When I read it, I was like, oh my gosh, there's the connector. So John 8, 56 through 59, Jesus talking. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. What? What? How did Abraham see Jesus? Okay, all right, we'll get there. Verse 57, then said Jesus, or the Jews unto him, thou art not yet 50 years old. Hast thou seen Abraham? They're like, dude, you're not even 50. Abraham existed hundreds and hundreds of years ago. What are you talking about? Verse 58, Jesus said unto them, this is amazing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. And that was another drop the mic moment for Jesus because then it's, he said, before Abraham was, I am. And he was echoing Exodus 3. If you look in your Bible, you know how it has the connecting scriptures? If you read that scripture, there's a little letter right beside I am. And if you look, it says Exodus 3. And it'll take you right back to where Jesus said, I am that I am. So Jesus was saying, before Abraham existed, I am. I'm the same. And then that was another drop the mic moment for Jesus because he had to duck out of there pretty quick. Then took they up stones to cast to him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple going through the midst of them and so passed by. Okay, I want to kind of break this down a little bit because this is absolutely positively amazing. So Jesus is talking to the Jews, makes this comment, why were they so angry? He claimed to be God. That was blasphemy to them. That's why they tried to stone Jesus. Why did, they, why did they have such an issue with Jesus anyways? Because he was constantly claiming to be God. So when he said, when he made that statement, before Abraham was, I am, what he was saying is that I existed before Abraham was here. Who existed before Abraham was here? Was there Jesus in the Old Testament? God existed 
before Abraham was here. So what he, he was echoing that same thing. And you have to understand that the children of Israel, they knew. They knew the scripture. They knew the law. Like they knew the Old Testament. They knew what was there. So when he said this, that made them absolutely furious because they knew what he was talking about. So that, that's why they were trying to stone him because Jesus was saying, I am. Jesus is the I am. So I just want to tell you, good news has a name today, and his name is Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is the best news that we could ever have. Jesus is the one who meets all of our needs. Let me, let me show you something. So Jesus, after, here's Jesus right here. After he was crucified, he took, do you know we were supposed to take this cross? This should have been our punishment for sin. But Jesus took this for us so that we didn't have to. All of these names, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Sabbath, all of that stuff is boiled down to one name, the name of Jesus. Do you know what? I, I think pastor has said this before, but did you, if you break down the name Jesus, J-E comes from Jehovah. S-U-S become our salvation. So literally the name of Jesus fits right along with these. Now, now God is known as Jehovah salvation. God has become my salvation. How beautiful is that? So, so I, I just want to show you how powerful the name of Jesus is. After Jesus was crucified, and, and he was seen uh, after he was crucified, resurrected, he was seen for a number for a time period. There were a lot of people that saw him after he was after he resurrected from the dead. And then on the Mount of Transfiguration, when he, when he officially left the earth and said, don't worry, I'm going to send a comforter to you. You know, I'm, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And he leaves the earth. And everybody's like, where'd he go? You know, like, um, who was it on the Mount of Transfiguration? It was a couple of the disciples. Peter, yeah, there was Elijah and Abraham, Moses. Elijah and Moses were seen with Jesus. And then they all went. And then a couple of the disciples were there and they're all like, whoa, what is happening? So then an angel comes to them and says, why, why are you still here? There's a promise for you. So then they went to Jerusalem and then the book of Acts takes place. Acts 2, when they're all in the upper room and they're praying, came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house, all the house where they were sitting and there were cloven tongues like as of fire that sat upon each of them and it talks about them speaking in, in another language and there were people there because it was during Passover, there were people from all over the place uh, in, that, in that city and they're sitting there speaking in another language and there are these guys walking by and they're like, wait a second, they're not from... Galilee, Like, how are we hearing them? Like, they're speaking our language. What is going on? So after that all takes place, and then Peter, Acts 2.38, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall be filled, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And this promise is unto you and unto your children and to all that are far off, even as the Lord our God shall call. That's Acts 2.38 and 39. If you don't believe me, you can read it. But, um, so after this all takes place, you see the disciples using the name of Jesus to perform miracles. Acts 3, Peter healed a crippled man. 
He was walking by and there was a beggar sitting outside the gates of the temple. Please, can I have some money? Can you give me something? And Peter stops and looks at this man. And Brother Adon, can, I, can you be a crippled guy? Okay, stay, stay there because you're crippled. You're not sitting. So you're, you're asking for money, right? And Peter walks by and he's like, silver and gold have I none. But what I do have, I'll give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And it says the man rose up and he leaped into the, into the, the temple. Are you kidding me? In the name of Jesus Christ, can the name be that powerful? Can I say yes? Yes, it can. I want to show you another one. In Acts 16, Paul casts out a demon in the name of Jesus Christ. There's, there's this woman following him around, and he's trying to preach, and there's this woman behind him screaming at him and doing all this stuff, and he let her go for a little bit. And the, the Bible actually says he got irritated, and he turned around and looked, and he pointed at the woman, and said, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And the demon came out. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Good news. It's the name of Jesus. So, John 16, 23. I want to read this one to you. Uh, and it says, uh, and this is Jesus talking, and he's talking about after he's gone from the earth. He says, and in that day... Ye shall ask of me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Can I qualify this? Because there's a scripture in the New Testament that also talks about praying in the will of God. And if that's, you have to pray in the will of God because God has a purpose, right? He's got a plan and he knows what he's doing. And if we pray outside of the will of God, you know, bets are kind of off, right? But, what the scripture is saying is that there is power in the name of Jesus. Because he says, whatever you ask in my name, in the name of Jesus, he will give it to you. So the name of Jesus is everything that we need. I know, you know, I, I know a nickname for, for our, our denomination. I hate that word, right? Because it's about relationship, not religion. Right? Because right? the only time the Bible talks about religion is in the New Testament. It says, True and pure religion is taking care of the widows and to those that, and the fatherless, right? That's the only time the Bible ever says anything about religion. So, but our denomination, whatever you want to call it, you know, I got people asking me that all the time. What denomination are you? What church, what kind of church do you go to? Well, I'm apostolic because I believe in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I believe in the power in the name of Jesus. So we're called Jesus only. Jesus only churches, right? That's kind of like when, the, when they were first called Christians in Antioch. Did you know that was a derogatory term back then? To be called a Christian, it was derogatory. That's the way Jesus only has become people trying to label us, right? Is Jesus only. Well, you know what? All you need is Jesus because in the name of Jesus, there's all healing, all power, all authority. There's provision. There's whatever you need is in the name of Jesus. So yes, I am Jesus only. I believe that Jesus Christ is all I need because he, why? Because he is God in flesh. That's why Jesus is all you need. So Big, long-winded explanation just to tell you that that's why our good news has a name, and that name is Jesus. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. So I'm going to um, just go ahead and I'll close. Dan, if you can come up and help us.
I want to read a, a scripture in closing. And this is, um, did, did you know that, that Jesus Christ is eternal? Because he's God in flesh, he's eternal, right? So Hebrews 13 and 8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if I read that correctly, that means that Jesus never changes. If I read that correctly, that means that because Jesus is God in flesh. Now this, I'm not going to preach oneness. I love preaching oneness, but I'm not going to today just for sake of time. But because Jesus is God in flesh, this scripture has even more of a meaning. So if you don't understand that Jesus is God in flesh, when you think Jesus, you think New Testament. So from the New Testament on, Jesus never changes. No. When, G, when you understand that Jesus is God in flesh, what the scripture is saying is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means that from the beginning of time, he has never changed. When he was Jehovah Jireh, he is still Jehovah Jireh. When he was known as Jehovah Rapha, he is still Jehovah Rapha. He is still all of these things. So if we could all stand, we're gonna, we're gonna wrap up this uh, this today and I'll give you some time back you know I'm really conscientious about <laughs> about how long I take because there was one service and I'm sure all of you know it when I preached for like an hour so now I'm like oh oh no not doing that so <laughs> there's there's just there's something so beautiful about the name of Jesus we sing about it all the time we 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 pray in it all the time. At the end of our prayer, what do we say most of the time? Before amen. In Jesus' name, right? So I, I just want to try and just reinforce this idea that there really is power in the name of Jesus. You know, the, the Bible says don't take the Lord's name in vain. And that's in the Old Testament. It's one of the Ten Commandments. It's, you know, but the same, I believe, applies today with the name of Jesus because I think sometimes we can this happens right this I remember a message that I heard at one of our elevate rallies um, and it was it was titled silent trains and he talked about when Jesus was praying in the garden of Gethsemane and all of the disciples had fallen asleep what he was what he made you know what he talked about was the fact of like habituation how that happens you can become so used to something that it no longer has the same like stimulating effect to you and he was saying that it's quite possible that the disciples had lived so long and so close to Jesus that when Jesus was 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 praying so hard the bible says he was praying so hard that drops like blood came off of his forehead you know, and there, there is a, a medical condition that when you're under so much stress that, that you literally can bleed from your pores. So it's possible that that's what was happening with Jesus because he knew he was about to go through the most excruciating thing that any human being could ever go through. But they were, while he was praying, the, 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 the um, I almost said children of Israel, but the, the disciples had fallen asleep. It says that Jesus was only a stone's throw away. They could have heard him, definitely. I mean, when somebody yells, how far away, you know, you can hear them for a, a ways, right, a distance. 
But Jesus is pouring out his heart and his disciples fall asleep. And he comes back. He's like, you couldn't even pray for me for one hour? Goes, they fall asleep again. And, you know, it's just this terrible thing. But I think sometimes that can happen to us when we use the name of Jesus so loosely and so freely and, and literally using it in vain, right? So there, there, we can that's why we have to check our heart. We have to constantly pray, Lord, get rid of this stony heart and put a heart in, a heart of flesh inside of me. Lord, may, help me to hear your voice and to respond, you know, because yes, we can get so used to something. We can get so used to coming to church on a Sunday that we no longer feel the presence of God because we're so busy trying to check off a box, you know. But I, I just want to tell you that that tender yourself to the voice of God. Like pray that God would help our hearts, that, that he would keep them tender so that we can hear him, so that we can respond to him. Because the way life works, it just kind of creeps in and it can start to take over and we can start to go into autopilot and you're just like, went to work, went to church, you know, and you're just like a robot, right? Like that can happen. That's what life does to us. So we constantly need renewal. So today I just ask that if anybody needs renewal of the power, the authority in the name of Jesus, I pray that you just, just lift that up to God. But I also want to give an opportunity today that this altar is open. If you have any need in your body, any need in your finances, any need in your spirit, any emotional needs, if you need healing in any way, if you need provision in any way, if you need God to become your righteousness again, if you need God to sanctify you again in any way, I pray that, that you would lift that up to God because God is here to meet needs. That's what he does. That's what he does. He meets needs. So I, I want to be a little bit specific, okay? Um, if you have a need, something that you need God to meet, I just want you to come forward. It can be anything. You know, the, the Bible says in that, that uh, scripture in Isaiah, when it talks about preaching the good news to the, or in Luke, it says that, preaching the gospel to the poor and um, setting at liberty them that are bound and uh, binding up the brokenhearted. That's a pretty broad spectrum. You know, um, so I'm trying to hurry and close, but there's just so much, so much that you say, right? So um, our, our theme for our Elevate Rally is break free. And the way that that came, came you know, to fruition was just through prayer. And, uh, you know, I, myself personally, sorry to use a personal reference, but myself personally, I, like Tasha and I have worked in youth for, um, I don't know, how long would you say? We've been married for two and a half years and we were doing it for like two or three years before that. So probably five, six years. One thing that's a very common denominator, especially in young people, but we all do it, is we tend to put ourselves in prisons with shame, with regret, with, uh, and, and what, I, what I call those are like emotional prisons, right? Because we put ourselves, we restrict ourselves and we're like, no, I've messed up too much. I, you know, I'm, I, God, you can have parts of my heart, but you can't have all of it. You know, I, there are just places that, 
that I don't want anybody to see. There's just shame that I don't want anybody to see. I, there, I have regrets that I don't want anybody to see. And we put ourselves in prisons, but Jesus said that he's come to set at liberty them that are bound, to break free. The last thing I want to say before we really start to pray is that um, scripture in, uh, I can never remember where it's at. I think it's first or second Corinthians, one of the two. When it talks about, and the Lord is that spirit, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's liberty in the house today. If you need freedom, if you need provision, if you need healing, I ask that you would, you would come. Whatever needs you have. And if you don't have a need, how about you find somebody to pray, to pray with? And how about we bind together as a church family and we minister to one another because that's what the church is meant to do, right? We're meant to be a family. We're the body of Christ. We minister to each other. So if you have a need, lift it up to God today. And if, if, if you feel like everything is going good and you're living blessed and you're, you know, doing, doing, you're living for God, I, I pray that, or I just ask that you would find somebody to pray with. Let's be a family today. And let's lift up the name of Jesus.